the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's spring, and Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island is your lawn care company. Call them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever guaranteed call lawn doctor today check out their website lawndoctor.com or call them 401-392-1025 john DePietro on am 1380 and 99.9 fm folks you can always listen online at the website which is dipetro.com happy friday folks we have made it to friday and uh, i want to start off the program obviously we're not a sports program but last night was a huge night as many of you know, I uh, attended Bishop Hendrickson High School. Last night was a huge night, not only for the school, but for a member of the school and really for the state of Rhode Island. And that was with the uh, tremendous story, Quiddy Pay, who attended Bishop Hendrickson High School. He has an amazing story. He was born in a refugee camp in Liberia, single mom. She brought him. She came to the United States, came to Rhode Island when he was just six months old. They grew up, I believe, in the Lockwood Project, which is behind Rhode Island Hospital. But he um, convinced his mom that if he could go to Bishop Hendrick in high school, he would make the most of it. Very dedicated young man. Very serious young man. What a success story. Think of that. Born in a Liberian refugee camp named after his grandfather, who was killed, Quiddy, Quiddy Pay. Is a star at Bishop Hendrick in high school, but also in the classroom with 3.9 GPA. Goes to Michigan, has a tremendous career. And last night, there it was, the NFL draft, Quiddy Pay from Providence, Rhode Island, first round to the Colts. Here's what it sounded like as he was being interviewed with his mom. Here we go. What does it change for the prospect for your life and your family's life? Uh, for my family, uh, she's done working. She's retired. <laughs> I got to talk to mom, Agnes, obviously. Huge, huge night. That was a very nice gesture. He was basically saying that his mom is now retired. But congratulations to him. Now, folks, uh... Let's see. Where do we begin? How about the fact that President Biden did an interview this morning on the Today Show and talked about, now think about this. The CDC, Dr. Fauci said, listen, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outside anymore. There's no reason for it. However, notice the mixed messages coming from the Biden administration, the CDC, and Dr. Fauci. This is uh, this is uh, President Biden did a one-on-one interview on the Today Show. Here's a little bit of what it sounded like. CDC guidance this week about outdoor mask wearing. A lot of folks excited that they can now shed these masks if they've been double vaccinated. Um, Are are you going to be one of these folks now? We're no longer going to see the President of the United States outside with a mask on? Sure. Sure. I mean, but what I'm going to do, though, because the likelihood of my being able to be outside and people not come up to me is not very, very high. So it's like, look, you and I took our masks off when I came in because look at the distance we are. But if we were, in fact, sitting there talking to one another close, I'd have my mask on and I met you'd have a mask, even though we've both been vaccinated. And so it's 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 a small precaution to take that has a profound impact it's a patriotic responsibility for god's sake it's making sure that your wife your children your if you if in fact they haven't been vaccinated making sure that they're not going to get sick before you took it's patriotic to wear a mask outside <laughs> what is he talking about how is that patriotic it it shouldn't be a matter Hear me out. It shouldn't be a matter whether or not it's patriotic. It's the, the science doesn't match it. If you're outside and you're vaccinated, the, this whole business of the, the germs, the germs spread through contact, through being inside. Now, again, if there was someone right on top of you and they're coughing, but to try to make this that it's patriotic 
That's the president of the United States. It's, it's some, you know, that that's what are they talking? What is he talking about? It's a patriotic thing to wear a mask outside. So if if you're walking along and you have a mask on outside and I don't, you're more patriotic than I am. What what is he talking? That that makes no sense at all. This shouldn't be about this isn't about patriotism. This is about science and whether or not it makes sense. And and people obviously they don't like wearing the masks. It's going on for so long. It also completely defeats, as many of you know, it completes the notion of why people are getting vaccinated is to you don't have to wear the mask anymore. I want to play that one more time. Where he he is stumbling. Uh, then you're going to hear the wife joins him, uh, Jill Biden. But somehow that it's patriotic. Can I just play that again? Patriotic to to wear a mask. I I he's they're just now at this point, folks. They're just making it up as they go along. Oh, because the likelihood of my being able to be outside and people not come up to me is not very, very high. So it's like, look, you and I took our masks off when I came in because look at the distance we are. But if we were, in fact, sitting there talking to one another close, I'd have my mask on and I met you'd have a mask, even though we've both been vaccinated. And so it's, it's, it's a small precaution to take that has a profound impact it's a patriotic responsibility for god's sake it's making sure that your wife your children your if you're if, in fact they haven't been vaccinated making sure that they're not going to get sick before you took off it i i don't i don't you know it's not it's not that i don't understand what he's talking about the the interviewer from the today show doesn't understand what he what he's talking about now we get into President Biden campaigned on opening schools within his first 100 days. Now, what does he say? Well, I certainly hope they'll be next. Oh, see, folks, this is where he is a puppet to the teachers unions. Again, this is President Biden, one-on-one interview with the Today Show. Kids in K-12 schools obviously are not going to be able to, to get the vaccine by the fall. Should all schools in this country be open this fall for five-day-a-week five in-person learning regardless? Based on the science of the CDC, they should probably all be open. There's not overwhelming evidence that there's much of a transmission among these people, young, young people. The CDC guidance this week about outdoor mask wearing. Yeah. A lot of folks excited that they can now shed these masks if they... And then he goes into that. Uh, let me just be clear about this. We, we've known now since the fall. Fortunately, it doesn't spread to children. Folks, children should be in school now, let alone in the fall when more people will be vaccinated. But notice he's a puppet. He will not push back President Biden against the teachers unions. And instead saying, you know, they, they should be. In, what does that mean they should be in school? This continues to be there's no learning going on. People need to lower the gauntlet. Either you're going to, listen, if you want to be a teacher, you have to be in the classroom. If it's not going to work for you, then it's not going to work for you. The vaccine is available. You know, we do the distancing, the hand washing, everything else. There's nothing more that can be done at this point. They're doing far more than they ever did against flu or anything like that. But for him to still hedge and say, you know, they, they should be not, they will be, or they have to be. To, to get the vaccine by the fall should all schools in this country yes. be open this fall yes for five day in, five yes day a week in person 100 percent. based on the science of the cdc they should probably all be open There's should not- probably all be open see you're also hearing all this talk about that the government needs to subsidize child care health care uh and why do you think that is it's because you still have teachers that are refusing to go ba- go back into the classroom now, we didn't stop there. And again, folks, it's the John DePietro Show. This is President Biden, an interview, this uh, one-on-one interview with the Today Show. Now he starts to blame the crisis at the border on President Trump, which is ludicrous. Here we go. Now is, is what's happening at the southern border, is it a crisis? It is getting urgent action. Now, for example, a month ago, Won't use the word. we had thousands of young kids in custody in places they shouldn't be and controlled by the border patrol we have now cut that down dramatically here look here's what happened craig the failure to have a real transition the two departments that didn't you give us access to virtually anything were the immigration and the defense department so we didn't find out they had fired a whole lot of people that they were understaffed considerably but in april alone mr president 170,000 people migrants apprehended at the border it's a 20-year record there are 22,000 unaccompanied children in our country right now. 
That's a, that, that's a record. That sounds to most folks like a crisis. It well, is. Look, it's way down now. We've now gotten control. Talking point. We have, they didn't plan for, which it comes every year, this flow. Not like this. They didn't have the beds that were available. They didn't plan for the overflow. They didn't plan for the Department of Health and Human Services. That's not true. To take the kid from, from the... Uh, border Patrol and put, put them in beds where there's security and there were people that could take care of them. So there's a significant change right now. Significant change in the circumstance for children coming to and at the border during the campaign. You know, that that is completely not true. And it also comes back into uh, this whole notion that it's not addressed. But what's not addressed and should be addressed is as many of you know, the reason they're coming is because President Biden's in office. To say, well, you know, they didn't pl- they didn't plan on meaning the Trump people. Well, they didn't have this problem because President Trump was a deterrent to illegal immigration. Biden is an incentive. People think I can come over, I can go in there. They've said that they show up wearing Biden Harris shirts. Now I want to play the part, and again, folks, it's Sean DePietro on AM thirteen eighty ninety nine point nine FM. This is Craig Melvin of the uh, Today Show. And here's the president and first lady. And again, this whole business about classrooms and following the science when they're clearly not. Positive signs that we are, in fact, heading in the right direction as a country. But one big benchmark remains, bringing all students and teachers back to the classroom. I had the chance to ask our nation's highest profile educator about that. First Lady Dr. Jill Biden. She's not a doctor. Her and President Biden for an exclusive not a doctor. His first 100 days in office. She has her PhD, schools, but she's not a doctor. So far, and a major announcement about uh, the first pet. Stupid. As an educator, there's been some vocal opposition, especially from teachers unions, to this idea that yep. the, the teachers should be forced back into the classroom yes. this fall regardless of vaccinations what what do you say i mean what's your message to educators is it time to get back in the classroom this fall no matter what well i think it depends on uh you know we're following the science and what the cdc says and so each district is different and uh so i think we have to listen to the experts and the science and then the districts have to decide but we we know um, yes doesn't affect children in terms of learning, especially uh. in communities of color, uh, especially mm-hmm. kids, poor kids who haven't been in classrooms, who don't have access uh, to high-speed internet. Just the mental stress, the toll it's taken on, on these children. How, how could we justify not returning to in-person right. learning? Well, I am concerned about the, the lost learning, but I do think we have an opportunity now to um, make things better that's one of the reasons i was so excited about the american rescue plan uh, can he do hold on can he do an interview alone why why is she even there in the first place is this supposed to be because she's an educator if they but they're not following the science because the science says that as folks you know the virus doesn't affect children thank god our hospitals are not filled with children and so therefore children are, a lot of them are absolutely uh you know immune from the virus non-symptomatic completely asymptomatic but see they won't push back against the teachers unions that's what it comes down to bottom line and and just the fact that she has to hold his hand and he can't get through the interview and you know stopping to pick up weeds to hand to her the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous all right a lot more ahead you're listening to the john DePietro. well it's a challenge to run your business these days maybe you need to find the right type of workers why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508 336 
7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health, 401-305-3585. You've seen the her store. It's right in that old white church. It's my health because, folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, because remember, it's your health. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. Hey there, folks. Uh, you're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Joining us right now, she is the Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today, an incredible, exciting new book out. Madam Speaker, Nancy Pelosi and the Lessons of Power. I want to welcome Susan Page. Susan, it's John DePietro. First of all, congratulations on the book. Hey, John. Thanks so much, and it's such a pleasure to be with you. Um, I was uh, really struck by, uh, tell, talk a little bit if you don't mind, first of all, over 150 interviews, you spoke to the speaker herself but and people that know her best, but the um, how much do you think the her upbringing, as far as her parents, how much they shaped her life? You don't hear that a lot today of people saying, you know, my, my mother wanted me to be a nun. <laughs> you know? She was, the, you know, she was the uh, seventh child of Tommy and Nancy D'Alessandro, the, the first girl. You can only imagine how treasured she was. And one of Nancy Pelosi's uh, elementary school classmates told me that she thinks her mother had told God that if she he would only give her a girl, she would make her a nun. But when big Nancy D'Alessandro suggested to her daughter, who was known as Little Nancy, now Nancy Pelosi, that she be, would be consider becoming a nun. Little Nancy said, I think the priests look like that's a better job. That is amazing. And how is it, you know what else, uh, Susan, when you think about it, you know, today we, we kind of have a lot of these career politicians, but she was she was how old and where was she in life when she first entered political life? So she had been active as an activist, as an organizer. She had been a fundraiser. She'd even been chair of the California Democratic Party. But she had never even considered running for office before until she was 47 years old. And her own fifth child was a senior in high school. And it was another woman, it was Sally Burton, who held the congressional seat in San Francisco, who was dying of cancer, called in Nancy Pelosi and said, I want you to run for my seat when it's open, and I will endorse you, which was a huge prize. That's what made Nancy Pelosi decide to run for office she won that first election, that first a 14-person primary, if you can imagine, in San Francisco, where politics is a contact sport, kind of like Providence. Uh, she prevailed in that primary not by much, 
but since then she has never lost an election. Folks, again, we're speaking with Susan Page, Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today. Her new book, Madam Speaker, Nancy Pelosi and the Lessons of Power. You know, you're exactly right, Susan. How is it? What you know, you you've obviously studied and you've covered so many different powerful figures. What is it about her? It is it is just no small feat, and she is such a force of how she rose to power the way she has. So, Jen, I think this might surprise you. She says the best training she got to be Speaker of the House was being the mother of five children. She said you get used to governing amid chaos, bringing order to chaos. <laughs> uh, you end up dealing with the grievances, real and imagined. You learn how to persuade people to do what it is you want them to do, maybe even convince them it was their idea. You deal with shifting alliances every day. She says those are all skills that mothers have that have served her well in her tenure as Speaker of the House. And what about in uh, in 2016, obviously the landscape completely changes. And you talk about in the book that that was, that was a pivotal time for her, that she didn't maybe really identify the path that was in front of her. You know, uh, John, this was a surprise to me that it turns out that in 2016, she had been making plans to step down. She assumed, like a lot of us did, that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. She could count on President Hillary Clinton to protect the Affordable Care Act and other Democratic priorities. So on election night, she's watching the returns come in, and she realizes earlier than most of us that Donald Trump is about to be elected president, and by the end of election night, she said she had decided to stay on. And, of course, she became the face of the Democratic opposition to President Trump for his four years in office. Folks, again, we're speaking with Susan Page, Washington Bureau Chief of USA Today. Um, and then over the Trump administration, w- when do you think, Susan, that she recognized and, and kind of embraced the role that she was going to be basically the face of the opposition of the Trump administration? You know, I think she embraced it about 15 minutes after President Trump was elected. <laughs> I think she understood that that was going to be her role, that it was a time, you know, when, the, when you don't hold the White House, parties don't have a kind of natural face. When you hold the White House, the president is obviously the spokesperson for your party. That's not true when you're, when you're out of power. very first meeting she had with President Trump and the congressional leaders after his election, his first White House meeting, with members of Congress, she confronted him then. He said that he had actually won the popular vote because there had been millions of illegal votes cast. And while everyone else at the table sat silent, she said, Mr. President, that's not true. You have to deal in facts. That really kind of set the tone for the relationship that would follow. It was a mixed relationship, I think, for a couple of years. And then, of course, it became very toxic after the House moved to impeach the president. And what about the famous during the State of the Union when he turned around and then she had that that certain clap that people picked up on? Um, How did that come about? Had she done that before, or was that something that just kind of happened in the moment? So she says that wasn't meant to be sarcastic. Uh, You know what? You can't watch it without thinking it seems kind of sarcastic, that clap. (laughs) Uh, But she insists it's not. But I'll tell you, the State of the Union address that I remember more was the next year in 2020 when... President Trump finished his speech. Yep. She stood up and tore the speech in half. Uh, I've never, all my years in Washington, I've never seen anything like that. And I asked her how that came about, which was, she said that it was all because she couldn't find a pen. That he gave, he came up on, he came to deliver this speech. He gave her a speech text, which is the customary thing to do. She's looking through it and she sees something she thinks is wrong, that is inaccurate, a lie. And she wants to make a little mark there so she can come back to it. But you don't bring your purse up with you when you're the Speaker of the House on the dais to greet the president. There's a little drawer there in front of her. She opened the drawer. It was empty. No pen. What to do? She made a little tear in the margin of the paper of the speech text so she could find this place where there was this thing she wanted to dispute. And then as she kept reading, she made another tear where she saw something she thought was wrong and another tear with something she thought was wrong. And by the end of the speech, she was steaming. And she said that she told me that she didn't decide in advance that she was going to tear up the speech. But at the very end, she thought, if he's going to shred the truth, I'm going to shred his speech. 
speech. She stood, Trump is in front of her, basking in applause from the Republican side of the chamber. She rips the speech in half four times, tosses the pieces on the table. Meanwhile, Mike Pence, the vice president, standing next to her, pretending not to see what she is doing. Folks, again, it's the John DePietro Show. We're speaking with Susan Page, Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today. Susan, um, what type of people do you find, is there a common thread, different individuals that she seems to motivate? For instance, Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline has forged a strong bond with her. He was, you know, he's very loyal to her. He was chosen as one of the impeachment managers. Is there kind of a common thread of the the type of individuals that they sh- that seem to gravitate towards her? There's one word that is the highest praise Nancy Pelosi can give you if you're a politician, and that word is operational. And operational means you can have very strong views. You can be passionate about issues and hold them with great reverence and fierceness. But are you willing to make some of the deals, some of the compromises that are necessary to actually get something through Congress, to actually get something done? And this is the, the source of some conflict between her and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad, because in her view, they hold these passionate views, but they're not willing, in her view, to make the compromises that would actually get them into law. They are not what she would call operational, and that's the kind of politician she respects most. Has that been one of the more challenges for her? Because she had that you know, famous quote of, they live in the Twitterverse, and they're just four votes and, um, you know, at different times, not only was she battling President Trump, but she was she was battling the squad on the other side. That's right. In one of the, and I, had, I ended up having 10 interviews with her for this book. And in one of the interviews, it happened to fall on a day when things with the squad had just blown up. A very contentious meeting, a closed meeting of Democratic House members. My interview with her was soon after that, on that day. And so she was mad, and I think that made her more candid than she often is. She said that some people come to Congress to take holy pictures, to demonstrate how pure they are, and other people come to Congress to actually legislate, and they stand over in this corner. And her calling members of the squad people who are posing for holy pictures, she's a devout Catholic, but she did not mean that as praise. Hmm. And finally, um, where does this leave her now? as speaker with the Biden administration. I mean, there's so many different initiatives. The president is speaking uh, Wednesday night to go through his plan. What, where does this leave Speaker Pelosi now? I think there's no, she's worked with and against presidents. I think there's no president she is closer to than Joe Biden. She told me in an interview I did with her two weeks ago for USA Today that, um, that Joe Biden and she, oh, Joe Biden has been on the Hill so long, 36 years as a U.S. Senator, that she and he can speak in shorthand. And she called him transformative. And she also said one other thing. She said that some people have been surprised by the uh, bigness, the ambition of the agenda that President Biden has been proposing. And that's something she has really embraced. This is, we think this is her last term in Congress, most likely. And I think she is very determined to push through these big Biden initiatives that are about to come up. Folks, they're calling it the definitive biography on Nancy Pelosi. It's Madam Speaker Nancy Pelosi, The Lessons of Power. Susan Page is the author, also Washington Bureau Chief of USA Today. Susan, really pleasure, honor to speak with you. Congratulations on the book, and we'll talk to you again. Hey, John, thanks so much. All right, folks, there it is. A lot more ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair.
It's spring and time to call J. Cannell Engineering today at 401-351-7600. J. Cannell Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, pretty soon it'll be warm, it'll be hot. Why not have central air for your home? Call J. Cannell Engineering today, 401-351-7600. Remember, with JKL, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial, in the wintertime. JKL, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. It's going to be a hot summer. Call JKL Engineering today. Be nice and cool in your home this summer. Call JKL, 401-351-7600. For 54 years, JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL. They do it right. They do it right the first time. They're an approved National Grid VPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL for a system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering today. For Light for Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 401 351 7600 401 351-7600. It's JKL Engineering. Folks, it is my pleasure right now joining us on the line. What an incredible new book, The Case Against the New Censorship, Protecting Free Speech from Big Tech Progressive Universities. It is the world-renowned Alan Dershowitz, Professor Dershowitz. It's John DePietro. You're on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Congratulations on this new book. Well, thank you. At least you're not canceling me. Megan McCain canceled me. She tried to cancel me on the View. Um, she's no civil libertarian. Wow. Uh, she wrote a she wrote up a thing saying because I was accused, even though I was falsely accused by a woman I never met, never heard of, and wrote a whole book about it. Um, Megan McCain says if you're accused of anything, you can't be on the View. Fortunately, she was overruled. But uh, uh, you can admire and support McCain. I certainly admired and supported her father but uh she has a, a little bit of learning to do i i uh, agree what america you, is about agree i normally don't but in that particular case just what the media goes after uh actually normally i'm pretty critical of her uh touch on though you know you're exactly right professor dershowitz but what what brought you to write this i mean you've written different books but this particular book and it is amazing in 2021 how much free speech is under attack well, the reason I wrote the book, and I've written a lot about free speech under attack by governments. I've been litigating free speech cases against the government since the 1960s when I was like 29 years old. I argued my first case in the Supreme Court on behalf of a banned movie called I Am Curious Yellow. So I have defended free speech against the government uh, over and over and over again, Pentagon Papers, you name it. But now it's a new problem and it's much more dangerous. Because it's not the government that's censoring. You can beat the government in court. It's private parties. It's the big tech. It's YouTube. It's, you know, Facebook. It's Twitter. And you can't beat them in court because they have their own First Amendment rights. So we have to beat them in the court. And I decided to write this book to take on the big tech and to take on the private universities and take on the quote, graduate or really big graduates who want to deny free speech. The current cancel culture and attack on free speech is even more dangerous than the McCarthyism I experienced when I was a young kid in college. Folks, again, I was speaking with Professor Alan Dershowitz. You know, I like how you get into the events leading up to the free speech crisis was the election fear. When did you first notice that we weren't even supposed to discuss whether or not this was a fair election? When people called me on the phone and wanted me to represent them, my pillow guy, uh, Mike Lindell and, and others, um, I don't necessarily agree with them. Uh, people have the right to take whatever positions they want on the election. I'm a liberal Democrat. I voted for Joe Biden. Um, but I think Mike Lindell has the right to say the election wasn't fair. I think anybody has the right. I think President Trump has the right. I think President Trump had the right to say what he said. 
in, in, in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I don't agree with much of what he said. But, uh, you know, Voltaire once said, I may disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's been my principle. I defended the rights of Nazis, Nazis, to march through Skokie, Illinois, which is a community of Holocaust survivors. They did it to provoke and to make angry and to, and to create all kinds of difficulties for Holocaust survivors. And yet I defended their right to do it because if the Nazis can't march through Skokie, then Martin Luther King can't march through Birmingham. You can't have a First Amendment that applies for me, but not for thee. Professor Dershowitz, how did big tech arrive at this? And also, do the progressives, do they realize that they're limiting free speech in, in this way? Because you would think it'd be the opposite, that the progressives would absolutely embrace free speech, but they, they no. really don't. They don't. In fact, many progressives don't believe in free speech. Um, many professors now are beginning to write articles. What's the big deal about free speech? It's patriarchal, it's colonialist, it's imperialist, it gives advantage to articulate people. And it's, you know, it's, for the first time in my lifetime, academics are beginning to write uh, academic articles against the First Amendment, against due process. And the reason is obvious. These millennials and these progressives, they're not progressives, they're regressives, they think they know the truth. They think they know the truth with a big T, just the way Stalin thought he knew the truth, and Hitler thought he knew the truth, and Mao thought he knew the truth, and Castro thought he knew the truth. If you know the truth with a big T, why do you need dissenting views? We know, they know, that every time a white policeman shoots a black uh, person, of course the policeman is at fault. They know that uh, every time a woman accuses a man, uh, like Megan McCain, they know the man, of course, has to be guilty, and the woman, of course, is a, is, is a victim. If somebody says the election is unfair, we know it was fair, so why do we need dissenting views? Somebody says, hey, I'm a little worried about the vaccine. No, 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 no. Everybody should take the vaccine. So it's the idea that we know the truth. And if you know the truth, what do you need these cumbersome things like dissent, free speech, due process? They just get in the way of progress. And they got in the way of progress for communism. They got in the way of progress for fascism. And they're getting in the way of progress for progressivism. Professor Dershowitz, you've been on uh, a college campus for a long time. Um, yeah. what, how is this the worst you've ever seen it on the universities as far as their, you know, you have students that will come out and say that they don't feel comfortable exposing or I should say revealing some of a lot of their views in a classroom discussion because they, they just know how it will be received by the professor. I get that all the time from students. Um, a lot of it has to do with Israel. If you have pro-Israel students, uh, even if they're critical of Israel, if they favor the two-state solution, they're afraid to say anything positive about Israel because it'll be downgraded. They're certainly afraid to say anything positive about Republicans or conservatives or Donald Trump. And yes, there's a terrific fear of saying uh, anything. Look, look at what happened to the uh, guy who runs um, Brooklyn Center, the little town outside of Minneapolis, yep. yes. where uh, Kim Potter uh, accidentally came, thought she was tasering and she shot and killed the young black man. And the, the head of the town uh, said, well, she certainly ought to get due process. Due process, yes. And he got fired. Yes. And there were threats. <laughs> if he didn't get fired, uh, there would be violence and demonstrations. So now you get fired for asserting a constitutional right? I mean, what is going on here? Yeah. And that's why I wrote the book. I hope people will read the book. And I hope, more important, I hope people will act on it. Because the only recourse we have is to defeat these new censors in the court of public opinion. Make it clear, we don't accept what you're saying. We don't accept what you're doing. We will fight back. We will create alternative sources like Rumble. I'll give you a story. So Bobby Kennedy, who is the uh, son of the former attorney general, Robert Kennedy, um, is great environmental lawyer and critical or skeptical about vaccines. So he challenged me to do a debate on the constitutionality, on legal issues, medical issues. We had this wonderful hour-long debate. Tens of thousands of people watched it and enjoyed it. And people even changed views as a result of it. Hmm. YouTube took it down. They said, we don't want anybody to hear a debate on vaccination. We don't think it's a debatable issue. And so now you have to go to Rumble if you want to watch me debate. Uh, Bobby Kennedy, and I hope people will go to Rumble and watch this debate. You know, 
what YouTube was basically saying is Dershowitz is right, Kennedy is wrong. I don't want to win by default. Right. I don't want to win by censorship. I want to beat Bobby Kennedy in the open marketplace of ideas. I want people to say, hey, we listen to both points of view. We think Dersh is right and Kennedy's wrong. Uh, or the opposite. That's what debate's about. That's what free speech is about. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Professor Dershowitz, and again, folks, the book is fantastic. The Case Against the New Censorship, Professor Alan Dershowitz. Professor, what about, you know, Facebook and Twitter banning President Trump? And it all seemingly stems from just his views on the election. Um, How did this come that big tech can throw him out in that way? Well, look. It's happening all over now. It's not only Big Tech. Look, Simon and Schuster wants to publish some books by Vice President Pence, former Vice President Pence, and 300 employees of Simon and Schuster saying, no, no, you can't do it. We don't want Vice President Pence or any Republican or anybody who supported Trump to have a voice. So they're trying to silence opposing points of view, Simon and Schuster, you know, and, and, the, and the reason is because they're learning in universities. And the people who are in universities today, in 10 years, will be the editors at Simon & Schuster, the people who run Facebook and others. And uh, that's uh, the problem. The problem is that universities are training people to think sensorially and to stop uh, debates from occurring and hearing two sides of an issue. And that's not only frightening for the present, it's very frightening for the future. You know, it's very uh, under attack these days. And he doesn't say anything obscene. He doesn't encourage violence, but Tucker Carlson, because he has a successful show, because he has a well-researched show, he's entitled to his views. There is such an effort right now to just, Tucker should not be allowed to have a show. They need to take him off the air. He needs to be silenced. Well, let me tell you about the hypocrisy on all sides. So I used to be a regular on Tucker Carlson's show. And then once I was on his show and I criticized something he said about immigration, I've never been asked back. Hmm. So he, too, engages in, in censorship. So, uh, you know, you have to understand that it's coming from both sides. And uh, Tucker Carlson used to accept all points of view. But when you criticize him, he doesn't like it either. And someone else who I think uh, you're going to see is like Joe Rogan. I think he said yesterday, uh, if you're a young person, you're healthy. Yeah, you probably don't need to get the vaccine. Professor, watch the uproar. There'll be, there'll be pressure on Spotify. Not that he has a different point of view. He needs to be canceled. He needs to be removed for even thinking that. What we need to do is have me on the show to oppose him and explain why it's very important for young people to get vaccinated. Yep. That COVID has all kinds of negative implications for people's health in the future. Um, I come from a family of doctors, both my grandchildren are in medical school. My daughter-in-law is a, a doctor. They're fighting COVID day and night, and they understand the implications uh, for young people. The data now shows that a lot of young people survive the first encounter with COVID very easily, and they don't get sick. And then six months down the line, they get sick, and we don't know what's going to happen You know, two years down the line. We also don't know what's going to happen with the vaccine. Life is full of risks and cost-benefit analysis. And I generally go with the science, and uh, I hope the science is correct. I wrote a piece in March of last year, two months ago already now, in which I said, believe science, but be skeptical of scientists, because in those days, the scientists were saying, don't wear the masks. They They were not telling us the truth. They didn't want us to buy masks because they wanted the masks to be available to the front first responders. And they said that COVID is spread by touch, not by aerosol. And I wrote a piece saying, I don't believe either of those two positions. I'm skeptical, and I'm going to tell my family to wear masks, and I'm going to tell my family to stay six feet away because of aerosol. And, you know, I turned out to be right. Uh, and, And science isn't always right all the time, but like democracy, it's better than all of its alternatives. Folks, again, we're speaking with Professor Alan Dershowitz. Uh, it's the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Professor, what about, could you touch on Chapter 3, violent responses to speech and incitement? Well, what we hear now is violent threats all over the place. Violent responses to everything. Violent responses to jury verdicts. I mean, the reason I think, for example, the Schlovin verdict has to be reversed by the United States Supreme Court is that the 12 jurors obviously felt what the one alternative jurors already told us she felt. 
afraid that if they came out with a verdict that was not liked by the public, there'd be violence. And so, you know, violent reaction to uh, to speech is uh, is extremely dangerous. It's another form of censorship. And uh, it's uh, something that shouldn't be tolerated. In the Shrubbin case, I hope the Supreme Court takes the case, reverses Shrubbin's conviction, sends him back for a trial with a sequestered jury. Now, I have no brief for Shrubbin. I think what he did was terrible, based just on the videotape. was terrible, but he didn't get a fair trial. And he should have a sequestered jury, and it should be outside of Minneapolis. The same is true of the three co-defendants. The same is true of uh, Officer Pam Potter and others who have been affected. They should have sequestered juries because Al Sharpton and and Maxine Waters shouldn't determine the outcome of jury trials. Mm. Professor, on uh, two different notes, could you just touch on, I believe that... Senator Ted Cruz was at one time a student of yours, and, and I believe I've heard you say he was he was just one of the most brilliant students you've ever had. He was, and one of the most important students and interesting students because, you know, I never tell students what to think. For 50 years at Harvard, I never told them what to think. I try to teach them how to think, and I'm always the devil's advocate. And when Ted was in the class, I didn't have to be the devil's advocate because he was the devil himself. He <laughs> made all these right-wing arguments all wow. the time. And uh, it was great to have him as a student. I, took, I had him for two classes, and he was you know, one of the most outstanding students. Uh, uh, some of the students didn't like him because they said he was too smart for his own good. But everybody acknowledged how smart he was. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, you didn't agree with his views, but no, he was, uh, you know, <laughs> relentless in being able to present them. And what about the de- dedication of your book, someone who, uh, who I highly respect, and that's Harvey Silverglade? Harvey has been my colleague and my friend for, I think it's, he was my student in 1967. So count, count the years. Uh, it's uh, over 50 years, over 55 years. We've litigated cases together. He is a principal civil libertarian. He always takes a back seat. He's very quiet. He's written several important books about university censorship, about over-criminalization. He is one of the few genuine, genuine liberals left in America. Remember, don't confuse liberal with left. You can be a liberal on the right. You can be a liberal conservative. A liberal is somebody who is open-minded, willing to hear all sides of all issues, and uh, generally tolerant of uh, other points of view. And that's Harvey Silverway personified. Professor, before I let you go, can you also just comment on uh, Sharon Osborne and even Piers Morgan, for that matter? But Sharon Osborne, she was basically fired from the talk because she was defending her friend and said, I don't see where he's a racist. And basically, because of that, she was fired off the show on CBS. Well, that's happening over and over and over again. People are terrified to say in public what they are what used to at least be willing to say in private. Today, they're afraid in private. Today, universities are going back and looking at posts that you may have done four years earlier to friends in which you may have expressed some point of view that is unpopular. And they're sending admissions to universities based on posts. And they're doing it very selectively. They're doing it very selectively, racially selectively, gender selectively, and in other ways selectively. And so it's, it's, it's very, very dangerous. People should be applauded for having different points of view and should be encouraged to produce diversity. And I don't mean only racial diversity. I mean ideological diversity. And ideological diversity is just not being permitted on campuses today. Oh, so and in, in major networks and yes. other areas of life. Uh, look, uh, uh, many magazines now have fired people. Publishers are refusing to publish books. It's spreading. That's why I think my book, The Case Against the New Censors, is important. You can get it on Kindle and, you know, uh, Amazon or any other place that books are sold. So I hope people will read it and will act on it. Folks, the book is The Case Against the New Censorship, Protecting Free Speech from Big Tech, Progressives, Universities. He is professor, author, attorney, Alan Dershowitz. Professor, an honor to talk to you. Congratulations on the book. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. My honor. Bye. All right, folks, there it is. Alan Dershowitz right here on the John DePietro Show. Now, right now, it's 12. 12- Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, 
goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. Fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist. Yankee Tree Service, they provide various tree services, including tree removal, pruning, land clearing, stump grinding, and bobcat service. Check out their website, yankeetreeservice.com. Whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding, Yankee Tree Service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps. Tree pruning. You know, many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down. The licensed arborists with Yankee Tree Service, they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree emergency service or bucket truck service they'll get up in the bucket call yankee tree service today for a free quote 401-439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com you're listening to the john DePietro show folks weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 and 99.9 fm now remember if you want to get a hold of me easiest thing to do is log on to my website depetro.com d-e-p-e-t-r-o.com now there you can if you want to listen to the program listen live you can also contact me that way that's the easiest way to get me an email if you'd like to advertise on the show we also have all our links to social media we have uh, links to twitter or facebook or instagram or also on youtube you can also read many of the exclusive stories that we do we have exclusive video you can also shop and get some of the merchandise and at the same time if you ever miss an episode of the john DePietro show if you ever miss a segment you just log on and right at the top it says radio show click onto that it'll bring you right there and you can listen it's all in the library fashion it all starts by logging right on at depetro.com it's spring and lawn doctor of rhode island is your lawn care company call them today for a free quote 401 392-1025. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call Lawn Doctor today. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com, or call them 401-392-1025.